Tracks on the Trail. Hello, I'm Dr. Dana Gorsalani Mostak from Georgia College, and I'm joined by Dr. Naomi Graber from the University of Georgia. We'd like to welcome you to the all new Tracks on the Trail podcast. Tracks on the Trail is a website where scholars, educators, journalists, students, and the general public can learn about American presidential campaign music and gain insight into how sound participates in forming candidate identity. In this podcast series, we'll be interviewing experts on music and politics, both scholars and industry professionals, to provide up-to-the-minute analysis of the use of music in the 2020 campaign, as well as historical perspectives. Today, we're talking with Andrew Fletcher and Andrew Scotchy, two Asheville, North Carolina-based musicians. In early 2020, the two organized Feel the Beat, Feel the Burn, a concert to support the candidacy of Bernie Sanders. Tommy Oswald, creator of 2020 Tune In the Game, is joining the conversation. Well, welcome to you all. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get started, Andrew and Andrew, can you just tell us a little about yourselves? Why don't we go in alphabetical order? Andrew Fletcher, you first. <laughs> uh, yeah, my name is Andrew Fletcher. Uh, I've been a resident of Asheville since 2007. But I grew up here in Western North Carolina. I got involved in politics and activism about five years ago, but I've been a professional musician for 10 years. Between the two things, I keep pretty busy. Mm -hmm. And what kind of music do you play? I specialize in pre-war American piano styles, uh, but especially 1920s and 30s jazz piano. And I work both as a soloist and with uh, multiple bands in the area, most notably Firecracker Jazz Band, which has been around since 2003. Oh, nice. And Andrew, what about you? Um, I am born and raised in Asheville. I'm the first musician in my family. I uh, started playing in a band when I was about 13, 14 and started touring when I was 17 or 18. My current project, Andrew Scotchy and the River Rats, has been around for about nine years, and we are best described as high-energy rock and roll. Whenever I'm not playing, I try to organize events, bring the community together over just causes or put on festivals, and I also teach guitar lessons when I'm able. Oh, nice. It's great to have you here today. So, Andrew and Andrew, you first came on because of Feel the Beat, Feel the Burn, the event you organized. So I was hoping you could tell everyone a little bit about that. So I met a friend of mine who was just back from the Iowa campaign. He was a paid staffer there, and he came back to Asheville and was heading up the local Bernie Sanders office. He got back in town, and I, I basically said, hey, I want to help you. I support Bernie Sanders. What can I do? So he said we could use volunteers in a volunteer event. And I said, well, let me see if I can't put together like a musicians for Bernie kind of thing. And I thought immediately of Andrew Scotchy because he'd been to a similar event. And I called him and we got on board. We got on the phones. And nine days later, we had the event. <laughs> there was a demand for it. We had both put up Facebook posts just saying, hey, we want to do an event to support the Sanders campaign. Who would be down to do like these kind of like get out and vote or, you know, come and uh, talk about the issues, not only facing our town, but our country as well. And the posts blew up and we had just an array of Asheville's finest musicians be like, yes, we're on board. Let's do it. And I had gone to a barnstorm event at the block off Biltmore in Asheville and I got like a notification on my phone. I don't even think it was 24 hours in advance 
from the actual campaign because they had my email and information. And I go to this barnstorm event and the place is packed. You know, you could barely get in. So I thought, well, if people got together that quickly in 24 hours, if I had somebody to work with like Andrew, who's also just very well connected in this town and has a passion for music and speaking out about the issues. And we just both knew that it could be a success and just went for it. That's great. That sounds awesome. So you're both experienced musicians, but you're also both experienced activists. What are some other causes you've cared about and have organized for? So I have two brothers that have uh, severe mental illness. So any chance that I've gotten to work with an organization such as NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, and the other organization, Autism Speaks, and I did a little work with them in college. I think if there's a field or like an organization or something like that, that that I could pick, it'd be mental health. So I've done some things with mental health and also we've done some events to try to get people into housing and try to keep people off the streets. Harmonies for Homes was an event that we did about this time uh, in 2019. I mean, I've always supported any cause that I can that I feel spreads love, compassion and unity, but it's really just been the past two years that I have done events, either like Feel the Beat, Feel the Burn, or a larger event to help homelessness awareness. And Andrew Fletcher, have you supported other causes or organized for other causes? Yeah, so I got started in activism around busking and street performer activism. So that was sort of a logical like dovetailing between where my work as a musician sort of took me right into fighting City Hall as um, being the spokesperson for the Asheville Buskers Collective. We were successful in that fight. So, you know, if you say you can't fight City Hall, yeah, you can. And you can win, too. It's amazing. And from there, I kind of got the taste for it, and I went on to either take part in or lead other efforts within and without um, City Hall around some land use policy, and I joined boards and commissions. And I have you know, just continued my work in the political realm. I also ran for city council in 2017 and I'm sure to run for city council again, perhaps in 2022. We'll see. <laughs> this is not an announcement. <laughs> well, well, we'll keep our eye out for that. We will. So Feel the Beat, Feel the Burn, was that the first rally you guys did for a candidate rather than a cause? Now, I've definitely played shows for candidates before, but never in a, I mean, I was always just like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it and, and I'll, I'll show up and I'll play and I'll, I'll, I'll say something nice. But this was the first time where I was, you know, sort of in a leadership role and, and building the whole thing. And that's where Scotchy and I just really, really teamed up well on, you know, how do we, how do we put all this together? Um, and I've, I have, um, I've really worked more with candidates than causes if only because candidates tend to be pretty well organized sometimes and they have a definite timeline, <laughs> you know, they've got a, we've, we've got to win this thing in November um, kind of attitude. And so I've done, you know, several shows like that. Mm -hmm. Are there any other big differences that you see between supporting candidates as opposed to causes in general, other than the timeline? I would definitely say that when you're supporting a candidate, you have to have a channel of trust between you and the candidate more so than if you're supporting a cause. Because, you know, when you're putting your names together with somebody, you're really putting your reputations together and everybody wants to make that authentic and also reflect well on both parties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like language is also really important too. I feel like that's a little bit more delicate when it comes to putting on an event where you're supporting a politician. Andrew and I were really careful. We made it an inclusive event. We wanted it to be a forum. We wanted it to be inclusive and we wanted people to come and not feel, you know, like it was all the way over here, all the way over here, you know, like it was a common ground, you know, shared issues. So well, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It is. So I have a question for you. Do you see certain kinds of music and musicians associated with particular candidates or causes? I absolutely do. I think that good music that sticks around for decades upon decades, it promotes a a way of life. It promotes values. And if you have a song that's promoting love, compassion, unity, or talking out about social injustices or wanting to help those in need or less, less fortunate, a politician is going to get on board with music like that. You know, they're not going to jump on the band or an artist that's promoting chaos or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. So, like, the, the message of the music and the campaign platform, it has to be right in line. And, I mean, every, every politician on a local level or a national level that I've seen, the bands that they pick, you know, their aesthetic is similar to theirs. And I feel like that's important. So true. So I think that there's sort of a a structural element of music that promotes inclusivity, because when you make music and you're connecting with someone, it's on an emotional level. And I think it's hard to shove hate through that channel. Yep. Um, It doesn't really work. It tends to close the channel. And so I think that in, in general, music and art sort of wants to connect people just by the nature of the art. I think that that is one of the powerful ways that music can be used is because it does create this connection between people. And, and that's what a good artist is trying to do with their music or with their art. And, you know, obviously that's a big component of a political campaign is politicians saying, hey, I understand you, support me. And I think that's one of the ways that, that music can be a really powerful tool politically, but it's sort of structurally built to connect people. So is that something you think about when you're trying to put together a set list for an event like this? Is there any difference between putting a set list, putting together a set list for an event like this versus just a regular old show? I think so. Yeah, there definitely was. Because we had a lot of people, you know. Andrew, I actually found the set list the other day. Oh, nice. I, I put it up in my room. But, um, like, we had to be really careful to clock, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, putting that many people on stage... I feel like it had like a good build, you know, like I think we started off, what was it, um, a solo act? We had a solo act first, Andrew, and then mm-hmm. like a duo and then a band. I've got it. I can go and grab it. But um, but yeah, it built really nicely. And it also at the beginning, we had some families that were showing up. They stayed for like about half of it. And then some of them left. And then it, you know, got into a little more of a, a dance party. We ended with the Beatles Revolution. Oh, yeah. And that was beautiful. And the NPR composer BJ Lederman is a local here to Asheville, and he like led the singing, and he sounded just like John Lennon. It was amazing. It was an amazing, powerful moment. I will never forget that being on stage, and and like I was going through the audience and pushing people on stage so we could have that tableau <laughs> of everyone on stage at the end of the night, sort of Saturday Night Live style, uh-huh. and. Yeah, and that was really amazing. And a lot of the way that worked is because that set list that Scotchy put together really built up to that moment. And it, it, it felt good. You just saw the people walking out with smiles and a bounce in their step. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we stayed on schedule too. Yeah. <laughs> and look, you can see at the bottom is probably backwards, but it says respect the clock, be a helper, don't go over. <laughs> Another thing that was different than a normal show is, you know, of course we had speakers, we had candidates, you know, like uh, Michael O'Shea and Kim Roney and Alex Lyons, and mm-hmm. we fit them in in between acts. And each set, you'll see it was like twenty minute sets. And normally, you know, whenever you go to a concert. For example, like whenever we play in town, normally we play for like an hour and a half and like the opening band does, you know, like 45 minutes or an hour. So it's much it's much longer. But yeah, I think timing and, you know, organization is always key. Diversity was important to us, too, in like who was on stage. So, you know, obviously, if you want to have diversity, you have to have a big table or you have to have a lot of acts. And so that was one of the ways that we did that is we limited time, but we we had um, five different musical acts. And the fifth one was a a jam session where the musicians were pre-selected. And we used the changeover time between bands as speaking time for the politicians. And the one rule on the on that was that if they were going to speak to the crowd, they had to have publicly endorsed Bernie Sanders prior to or had planned to announce at that show that they were going to. Uh, and Alex Lines from Sunrise also spoke, but they, as an organization, had already endorsed Bernie. So that was the one thing. And we had, a lot, honestly, we had a lot of other candidates that were there, too, and sort of curiosity seekers. But, you know, that was the one thing that we had to clear with the local campaign was, you know, exactly how do we coordinate the political speakers that were up there. You're listening to the Tracks on the Trail podcast. In this episode, hosts Dana Gorzelani-Mostak and Naomi Graber are joined by Tommy Oswalt in an interview with Asheville, North Carolina musicians Andrew Scotchy and Andrew Fletcher about the connections between music and activism and how musicians are often a force in the politics of change. There's more to talk about, so stay tuned to the Tracks on the Trail podcast. During this break, we're hearing from Andrew Scotchy and the River Rats with the song Everyone Everywhere from their 2020 album by the same name. You can learn more about Andrew Scotchy and the River Rats on their website, andrewscotchymusic.com. haven't organized a ton of these events, but you already seem to have a lot of really great insights on how to do it right. If someone were to ask you, you know, what the recipe is for a successful benefit concert or rally, what would you tell them? I would say a few different things. Immediately, good organization, people that are passionate and driven, organized, and good communicators. And when it comes to the acts, make sure the acts are promoting 
you know, if you don't have your bands promoting, if you don't have your venues promoting, if you don't have local radio, local print press or online zines and stuff like that, you know, you have to build that network and try to have as much of that on your side. Yeah, I would say you can do it in nine days, but try to give yourself more time than that. (laughs) (laughs) It was the craziest nine days of my life. And it's literally all taken up by communication. That was all the work of of it. I didn't have to carry anything heavy. I didn't have to like (laughs) do anything other than really write emails and write them back instantly and text those folks. And then because we got so much incoming yes, that was like one of our problems was handling how much yes we were getting from every question we asked and also communicating with the artists. You know, they weren't doing it for money. So the least that you can do is completely respect their time and know if they, they want to give you your time, but they don't want to give you too much. So respect their time if they're going to be donating it to a cause that you both believe in. That That's a big piece of advice that I can give to somebody who wants to put an event on that isn't a performing artist like Scotchy and I are. Like, respect those people's time. They'll come back to you again if you do that. Always say thank you, too. You know, the people you work with, whether it be the venue or the artist, like Andrew's talking about, say thank you. And feed them. <laughs> yes, feed them. <laughs> Give them, give them beers if they drink. This is all very sage advice. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice, damn it. <laughs> you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'm, I'm curious. Uh, why do you think music concerts often make such effective political rallies? I think it's less intimidating for some people. I don't know if I've ever been to a rally or you know an event to support a cause where there wasn't music because... What's that quote? I wrote it down somewhere. Where words fail, music speaks. Hans Christian Andersen said that. And I also think there's a primal aspect of music too. You know, like I noticed that at a really early age that being in like even like an arena with people, you know, you're looking all around like people are there for the same reason. Like music has the power to bring people together from all walks of life. And Maybe it's a tool when it comes to politics of kind of like, you know, breaking the ice a little bit and be like, hey, well, we all love music. Don't we? we all love the way that this note and that drum beat and that horn line hits us right here in our soul. So we have that in common. Can't we talk about other things, too? Yeah, I think it can be a powerful motivator and it's a, a great appetizer for a media conversation from a politician. If there's music to start off a political event. It's excellent for just setting a tone of an event uh, or of a conversation. I listened to another one of the episodes of the podcast, and it's really, really, really interesting talking about constitutional law and and music. Really, really interesting connections that y'all have made, and it made me think a lot about how you have to be really cognizant if you're using music as a tool, that you're connecting someone's ears and their mind, hopefully their heart, too. And if you get those things going, then maybe you can get their feet tapping and then their feet going to the poles or going door to door. Or it's about connecting all the various parts of a person. And music is such a good job of that on its own. I think when you combine it with a political message, then it becomes really powerful. Yeah, no, music is definitely an extraordinarily powerful tool for you know, getting people out there. But I mean, as you spoke about in your interview with Dana earlier, musicians also do face backlash for mm-hmm. getting political. And I'm wondering if, if you could talk about any experiences you've had with that or how you've handled it, how you've prepared for that. I actually experienced something and it was the first really glaring backlash 
about two weeks ago, we got a message on our band Facebook page from somebody in South Carolina, and it basically said, you have lost a fan because of your Black Lives Matter support. And that terrorist organization does not, you know, resonate with this patriot, which was almost kind of amusing at first. And, you know, of course, I tried to find a very diplomatic response, which is basically, hey, we are for amplifying voices and um, pushing change and equality. We're not for property damage. We're not for violence or anything like that. Sorry if that's what you think that is. And then I left it at that. But that was that was the first time that somebody had said, I will not be following you anymore. Definitely, that was the first time it was pretty raw and real. And then we, you know, we had somebody on our Instagram page be like, I can't believe you're supporting Bernie Sanders. And I was like, well, sorry. <laughs> and yeah, you have to be you have to be diplomatic. You have to be like, well, you know, even even if you don't, even if you don't agree with them and you you know, you see them going on this giant rant and it's, you know, kind of incoherent and everything. You, like, you kind of have to be like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's you. And you got your ideals, you got your opinions and everything. And I I wish I could keep everyone happy, you know, but you can't. You never will. If anything, if you piss some people off sometimes, you might be doing something right. Hmm. I know that sounds kind of juvenile, but yeah. But yet it's true. <laughs> well, as long as you're pissing off the right people. Right. Well, like at the end of the day, I have never gone on Facebook and been like, I can't believe the people that support this candidate. Like they're gross. They're, they're horrible people, you know, but at the same time, if, if, you know, if I'm seeing something that's like blatantly disgusting behavior and hateful and something that should have, you know, been left behind centuries ago, I'm going to, I'm going to say it, you know, but I'm not going to condemn people. Yeah, I think that's the difference between guys like me and Andrew and, and, and bands that go all out. You know, I think we're trying to slowly but surely bring people together and you kind of have to do that without shoving it down people's throat. Like you want to create a constructive forum and you don't want to necessarily create an argument or add more divisive conversation because the country's already so split right now. You know, like that's the last thing I want to do, at least, you know, like I don't want to divide any more people <laughs> mm -hmm. right. so, so Saul Alinsky had I think something really interesting to say about sort of activism and how you reach people which is that you have to be speaking to people within their experience I think that's why music is such a good tool for bridging those divides because yeah you are going to have people that come back at you for that but when you are a good ambassador I and mean, you're a good evangelizer for what you believe in it doesn't always mean that you're telling people what to believe it means that you're telling people what you believe and then communicating with them in a way that their experience understands and music again is a, such a powerful tool for that because it can kind of bring down some of those barriers um, you can have a good time while you're hearing about someone else's experience and that might speak to you and open a door of thought about something that somebody previously disagreed with or never would agree with it if they heard it come out of a news anchor on CNN or a news anchor on Fox or whatever. You're listening to the Tracks on the Trail podcast. In this episode, hosts Dana gorzelani Mostak and Naomi Graber are joined by Tommy Oswalt in an interview with Asheville, North Carolina musicians Andrew Scotchy and Andrew Fletcher about the connections between music and activism and how musicians are often a force in the politics of change. There's more to talk about, so stay tuned to the Tracks on the Trail podcast. During this break, we're hearing music from Andrew Fletcher with the band Hank West and the Smokin' Hots. 
From their 2015 album, A Message for the Yogi, this is the song Rocky's Spicy Chicken, which is penned about the Asheville eatery, Rocky's Hot Chicken Shack. up during your interview with tracks on the trail in may you spoke about how you envisioned music oriented political organizing changing as a result of the covid 19 pandemic in the months since then how have you seen it adapt to the current state of the world and how can we the public get more involved that's really hard so personally i went from playing 200 shows a year to playing two in the past six months so my opportunities to access the public and access people and have that channel have been greatly diminished. I mean, I know right now that the number of shows I would have committed to, to play, to be supporting candidates and things like that. I mean, I'm, I, I have none, none of those candidates want to do anything that would endanger the people who would attend one of those events. Local candidates I support are not going door to door. They're not doing events. They're not doing that kind of thing. But, you know, we do have a tradition of, of music here, um, in Asheville and for instance Angel Olson if you guys have heard of her she's from Asheville and she, su she supported um, one of the candidates uh, I support Kim Roney here who's an independent and she was the only local candidate to support Bernie Sanders in the primary now that's like literally all over Instagram and social media and it is a more distant way to connect to people and I personally don't like it it's not that connection that you have with people on stage I think with some musicians, I've seen it work very well. A friend of mine who's about the best blues man I've ever seen, his name is Abreed. And I want, he's got some of the best live streams out there. You know why? Because it's 8 in the morning. He wakes up, drinks a beer, no shirt, plays the guitar, and sings his ass off. <laughs> I watched and one of those the other day. They're intense. They're, and, I mean, it's just raw. It's real. But, you know, I've seen some other things, and, like, it's cool and it's neat. But it doesn't connect in a way. And, you know, I think especially when you're talking about getting music to connect po politicians to voters, um, it's exceptionally difficult. And I really hope we don't have to think about it next election. <laughs> like, no one's really kind of reinvented the wheel about how it works online and how it works not in person. And I, I, I know I'm not smart enough to figure that out. And I'm really hoping that we don't have to think about this in two years or four years. Just to kind of go off what Andrew's saying, I kind of feel the same way where the most of my work was traveling, you know, like in 2019, we did two different tours across the country and 
that's how we reach people with our music and message. And with that not being there, you know, the first thing that a lot of people did was live streams. You go to a venue or you do it from your living room and like that's your new platform. That's your new soapbox. I noticed over the summer it kind of hit a peak and then like in August people started to go back out a little bit. Now we're seeing places that are just in like full swing again, like nothing is going on. But that human connection, like Andrew said, no one's reinvented the wheel or found something to find that connection again over virtual means. And, you know, I, I remember going door to door in, I guess it was February, right around the time we did that event and campaigning for Bernie. And I remember talking to people on their front porch, you know, like this far apart from them. Mm-hmm. And there were like a few people that were like, change my mind. You know, I was going to, you know, vote for this person, but why should I vote for your guy? You know, and I'm seeing it escalate to arguments online quicker um, mm-hmm. than it would face to face. You know, in lack of a better word, a lot of, there's a lot more trolls, you know, a lot more people that just want to jump in whenever it's getting heated and get in whenever they feel like, no, you're wrong. You know, and it, there's this, so that, that common, you know, constructive conversation yeah that human interaction you know i think that is a a big missing component of this election when i first got in contact with you guys my goal was to learn about the anatomy of an event and you know what you've brought to tracks on the trail really is so much more um so many of the insights that you've shared um about being politically engaged, about sort of the role of musicians and labor in this current climate um, is, is, is really um, illuminated so many things for me and I'm sure for our readers and our listeners as well. Uh, so we really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with us because uh, I think these are important things that people should know and, and want to care about. Thank you. I really appreciate y'all noticing our work up here and asking us to be a part of this. Yeah, well, we're really so, so fortunate that you are. Thank you. We are. We are absolutely delighted. It has been an utter delight talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, y'all. The Tracks on the Trail podcast is a collaboration between the Georgia College Department of Music and WRGC 88.3 FM. Tracks on the Trail was created by Dana Gorzolani Mostak and is co-edited by Naomi Graber and James DeVille. Haley Strasberger and Sarah Griffin provide research assistance. Today's program was edited by Daniel McDonald. The official Tracks jingle was created by Rebecca Pronsky. You can visit us anytime at www.tracksonthetrail.com. That's T-R-A-X on the trail.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter or Pinterest, and listen out for more on soundcloud.com backslash W-R-G-C. In the background, we're hearing more music from guest Andrew Fletcher. This is the song Catenary Falls from his 2015 solo album, After You've Gone.